This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Welcome to the College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. Here are your co-hosts, Doug Maurice and Shahan Jeharaja. And we're back on the College Football Survivor Show. It's Doug and Shahan, and we need a name for the playoff, Shahan. It's a playoff show, and we are talking about the logistics, the schedule, what the 12-team playoff should look like. The College Football Playoff Committee has set that. They have said the first two years in 2024 and 2025, these are when all the games, all the rounds are going to be played, which is fine. People need to know when to show up. But we have to name it. I want to name it. March Madness is so indelible. It's such an important part. And I think it was originally originally like the Illinois High School Association, I think, called their state tournament that. And then college basketball was like, we're stealing that. I don't know if somebody got sued. I don't know. I think we have a chance to be like, oh, what? How did they come up with that name? It's like, oh, it was Shahan's name. This is this is it. We have to get in on this now. So we're going to talk about what the playoffs should look like. But I think what they're going to lean toward in the end, Shahan, is most of this 12-team college football playoff taking place in December. And it feels like they're going to get to a point where basically everything that's not the playoff is done by the end of November. And then likely the championship game is in January which then gives us round one, the quarterfinals, the semifinals, all in December. I think it's an opportunity for college football to dominate a month before the NFL playoffs get started, but I do think it needs a name. So I didn't tell you we were doing this. You have a chance in the next 25 seconds to create the branding for the new era of college football. And it is called December something that starts with a D. Well, but, but here's the issue is that, yeah, it's it's going to largely be in December, but it's also going to go pretty far into January, you'd assume. I, I mean, obviously, they're going to move things up, but it's going to go, what, till the second or third week of January, probably? No, I, I think in the new world, it probably... The, only the championship game should be in January, I think, except for like New Year's Day, which is still kind of like December. Plus, the, the end, March Madness ends the first weekend in April. Nobody says anything. Nobody's like, oh, what's up with March Madness? Out of uh, however many games there are, right? I I can never keep this straight. There, You know, there's like 100 games or whatever, and only three of them are in April. All of the rest of them are in March. Do you want to create a brand or do you want to get bogged down in facts? I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I don't necessarily know that tying it to the month of December is the move. I think that that's more the question. Okay. So then what, what is it? Is it happy football time? What is the, (laughs) it's happy football time. What is the name? Don't they need a name? The 12 team playoff. Happy football time is bad. I think it's better than. (laughs) <laughs> prepared for the 12 team playoff. Uh yeah, I mean I will say the the branding of 
this is the college football playoff is is just awful. It it is like the most generic create a player naming that I've ever heard of anything. They're just yeah. like, like I would love to get the inside story in this. Maybe this is something that we should look into. Uh just them being like, what should we call the college football playoff? And they're like, <gasps> oh, our deadline is five minutes ago. I guess we're going with that. I mean, I'll I'll give them this credit, right? Like at least, like, the BCS obviously was called that because of the organization. But, like, it was kind of interesting, right? It's like the BCS yeah. National Championship game. But this is, like, this is the college football playoff run by the college football playoff. And that's, like, <laughs> I, I mean, for goodness sake, we called the show the college football playoff show. And we got told we couldn't do that because putting those three yeah. words that describe what the thing is together was in violation yeah. of copyright. So, like, we can definitely I, I, do better. Right. We can definitely do better. I think HFT. I think HFT it is. Hey, I'm excited for HFT. <laughs> is it all of December or just mostly in December? Well, that's why they don't tie December to the <laughs> I, name. I feel like – there, there could be something off of winter. I, I think that winter maybe is is the move. But now, if you're going to get all caught up in facts, winter doesn't start until like December 21st or 22nd. So you're going to be like, well, you know, the first three rounds are in fall. Only one week would likely be in the fall. And then the rest would not be in the fall. So, like, I think that it would actually work. All right. Winter football wonderland. WFW. <laughs> It is. All right. So since we didn't come up with a catchy name right at the top of our heads in the first 10 seconds, let's talk about logistics. Shahan, do you think that this will take over college? Because bowl season is fun, but bowl season is not serious. Bowl season is really about all these goofy bowl games in the middle of the week in weird places with weird matchups that are just something to have on TV in the background in the middle of December. And it's great, but this is not going to be that. This is going to be high level, really important college football over a month, over four weekends of this. Do you think it will automatically happen that this is going to be like, like this, Oh, this time in the calendar, like NFL's winding down, but it's not the NFL playoffs kind of yet. And, the NBA kind of isn't doing much yet, and nobody uh, like this. Can college football really claim this? I, I do think college football over the years has claimed New Year's Day to the point where trying to get away from New Year's Day has actually caused problems with the college football calendar because people are always like, "But there's a parade." It's like, are you seriously? We are picking our national championship around parade floats. This sport, but it's a day. They had claimed a day. They had not claimed an era had that claimed a a whole month will that happen naturally or do they have to do something to guide people to understand strap in this is going to be a month of the highest level college football that we have ever seen we have never seen this before can it be a football version of march madness or does it get take some work to get there so i think that the way that i think of this is you know, people talk about bowl season. People talk about bowl season being too long and too many games. But you look at the ratings on those games and 
they are up there with anything that you broadcast throughout the year. There's a reason that they keep adding more and more bowl games. It's because people keep watching them. So I do think that that time period is a time period where people expect to put on football. Um, and, and I think that like with bowl season, you know, cause bowl season will still happen. There'll still be a lot of games and there'll still be a lot of good games. I think, uh, during bowl season that aren't the college football playoff, but bowls are background noise. And every so often you get a bowl matchup that people are like, Oh, I'm going to tune in for this one. Right. Like I, I think last year, for example, Texas played Washington in the Alamo bowl. That was a really good matchup. Both of these were like really good teams, big brands. Uh, and also, I think for both of them, it was a preview of 2023. So that was kind of appointment viewing, but not all of them were appointment viewing. A couple of them would be. And I think it's going to be a little bit like that with the college football playoff as well. Uh, when you talk about first round games, I think that there are going to be a couple appointment viewing games. I don't think it's going to be a you know, a Thursday of March Madness type situation where the entire world stops necessarily, which I don't think is a bad thing. I think that we see this with the NBA playoffs too, right? Like the first round, you get good ratings. Second round, you get better ratings. Uh, conference finals, you get really good ratings. And then it culminates with the NBA finals that everybody's watching. I think it's going to be kind of like that, where it's kind of like a slow build towards uh, you know, kind of claiming that thing. But I do think that this will end up being relative appointment viewing. I mean, look at the dates that we're looking at. Uh, you know, they released ones for the 2024, 2025 season. And actually, actually, I guess this is, uh, this is relevant. Only one game will take place before it's officially winter. And there's only one game on December 20th. And then 21st is, is actually when we get started in earnest with three games. So we can use the winter moniker is all I'm saying. Uh, but so December 20th to 21st, that's the first round. 31st and the first is the quarterfinals. Ninth and 10th is the semifinal. January 20th is the national championship. Maybe I guess we got to call this like MLK madness because this is going to be a lot oh. of, uh, of Martin Luther King Day, I'd imagine. What, what a way to honor that man <laughs> who fought so hard for equality and to make the human race better. And we can name... A bunch of football games after. <laughs> I can't think of a better legacy. The Martin Luther King National Championship game. <laughs> MLK Madness. He'd be like, are you serious? Are you serious? <laughs> but not but, that. <laughs> it's not that. You know, I think I think the first round will be more of a uh sort of people keeping track and flipping on games when they're good and when it's time to see them go down to the wire. Uh, but, you know, this will be kind of the beginning of the Christmas season, too. So I, I do think that you get this nice little mix of sort of appointment television, some level of more background noise, too. And then it culminates and it keeps going forward, because that's the one thing with March Madness is the first weekend is the big one. And then it kind of lessens from there in some ways. I, I think this is going to be a little bit more the opposite. Okay, let's take a quick reset. We're going to talk about whether the date should move. We're going to talk about what the ideal calendar is. But I do think there's some branding that needs to take place here. And we'll do that next on the College Football Survivor Show. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. All right, Doug and Shahan. So here, here's the thing, Shahan. The NBA playoffs, these are great NBA playoffs right now. 
But the NBA playoffs are great just because there are a lot of good teams and there's a lot of great talent. And every great team has guys you have to watch. The final eight that we're watching here, when you're going from Nikola Jokic and Devin Booker and Kevin Durant to LeBron James and Steph Curry to Joel Embiid and Jason Tatum to Jimmy Butler and not Julius Randle. I dislike watching <laughs> Julius Randle play basketball. Jalen Brunson. I and the New York Knicks for some like reason. <laughs> I yell. I yell for some It's like, oh, who could be there instead? I'm like, hey, you know, have some Darius Garland. You could have some Giannis if things had worked out better. So anyway, it's the, it, it is it does rely on the skill. It relies on the talent. It, re, it relies on the players. There's not really a separate branding thing. And the NBA, I think there have been some ebbs and flows to that, right? When it's like Michael Jordan, awesome. When it was the Pistons and the Nets and the Pacers and some weird low-scoring things in the early 2000s, like it wasn't as awesome. There wasn't an inherent thing of like, oh, no matter what, I have to watch the event regardless of the players or the talent. The talent carries it. NFL is a monster. I don't even know that it's worth comparing anything to the NFL. Baseball is trying to revive itself. I'm not sure that there's much to be learned from baseball. But I do think college football should try to do a March Madness thing because you do not watch March Madness for the teams. You don't. You watch it for the event, and then you just plug in the teams. It doesn't matter, frankly. It Honestly, it doesn't. Just give me 68 of them, and let's have a couple upsets. And we already did a podcast that I thought was good about the Cinderella in college football and what it might do. I think I might disagree with the idea that this college football playoff will build as it goes. I think they need to try to make those first two weekends. There are going to be four first-round games and then four quarterfinals. I think they have to make that feel like the opening of the NCAA basketball tournament. When you're swamped with games, where it's overwhelming, where there's an upset that you didn't see coming, and that that really is what the tournament is about. I think they need to encourage bracketing. I think they have to get people to do college football brackets. This is not the main thing because it is not for everybody. I think betting will help drive this a little bit. And the opportunity, well, all right, now the 12 teams are in. Well, who do you think is going to win? Well, who do you think is going to make it to the final four? I think they need, and I've said this for the health of the sport generally, I think they need to brand something beyond the 12 who get in and the champion. I think they need to make the New Year's four something. They need to make getting there an accomplishment. So that, that that's a goal beyond winning the title. And the idea, Shahan, we are going to go from a world where for a long time, there were so many possible college football games that mattered for the national title race. You couldn't keep anything straight. The national champ, it was even harder to understand who it was. Then we went to one game, one single game. It's this regional sport. And then you all come together and you pick two teams to play one game and that's it. Then we went to four teams in three games. We are going to 12 teams and 11 games. It is such a jump. It is four weekends or four segments of activity. We've never seen this before. And I think they need to be proactive and not only rely on the talent because in college sports, the talent changes so much. That's why March Madness is so good, especially in the one and done era. You can't rely on, well, the LeBron, LeBron's always going to be there. Patrick Mahomes is always going to be there. The, it's the brands of the Blue Bloods in, the, in college basketball, but it's the event itself. They have to eventize this. Can they? And I do think the one thing 
with a nod. We'll give a nod because sometimes we don't give a nod to these people on this podcast. The fact that ESPN has the contract for the first two years of the 12-team college football playoff, I actually think might be a good thing. And then that they're going to take it to market, and I think we will get to a place where there's multiple networks involved in televising this. But ESPN, for all the things they don't do well, they brand. They can brand the heck out of stuff. So I do think ESPN and the playoff committee together have to figure out how to brand this thing. They have a year to do it. But I don't think, oh, watch 11 games in the college football playoff is it. You've got to say, you can't miss anything. It's a month of action, right? If we, if college football can brand Maction and turn, oh, it's, hey, what are we going to do with this Tuesday night Toledo Bowling Green game? It's like, I don't know. What if we called it? action and made it seem like a midweek game is cool instead of a weird desperate money grab for tv ratings okay yeah no, no, no that works like they've done it before they've done it with much less quality there's real quality to this Shahan, but i don't think you can just try to let it stand on itself so here's i think the existential issue with that though, right because you talk about the idea of making a bracket of betting on champions i think that College football can't succeed that way unless a bracket can get busted. I don't think that people believe that a bracket can get busted right now. But we believe it, don't we? Didn't we lay it out? Didn't we lay it out that we believe it? We did. But, you know, I think that that first year it's going to be very difficult. Um, And I think the other thing is, you know, the thing that probably has helped the college football playoff more than anything else is in 2014, the four seed went to won the title. And I don't think that people believe right now, heading into this 12-team field, that a team that is not one or two in the country can win the title. That, I think, is the biggest thing that needs to happen in these first two years, is a team going on a run. And we saw that a little bit with uh, with TCU upsetting Big Ten champion Michigan and playing for a national championship. Obviously, the the title game didn't exactly help matters, I don't think. But, uh, you know, I, I do think that we need to have a team and, and probably not one of the big three that I talk about all the time. Go on at least somewhat of a run, give a challenge, uh, have a chance to to really compete for a national championship. And, and I agree, you know, getting to the final four, for example, I, I do think that we are going to need to do that. And one of the things I love about this playoff is I think that, for example, I, I mean, we have uh, we have these years where like Georgia doesn't make the, the playoff in 2018 and Texas beats them in the in the Sugar Bowl. Right. And like that's a big moment for Texas and Georgia's fans are just like, ah, we didn't even care. Well, like this is an opportunity for teams to pull upsets. When you can't claim that the other team didn't care, right? I think that that's going to be a big thing, even if it's not in the title game, even if it's not in the final four, even if it's just a first round upset. And I think that that part's going to be big, but I think that's going to be the existential issue at the beginning is I don't think that fans at large are going to think it's a serious endeavor to put together a bracket when they don't necessarily think that quote unquote, smaller teams can beat bigger teams. Okay. So we're going to brand. I agree. An upset will help. Ohio State in 2014 helped. Also, you can upset yourself into oblivion. I think part of why 
March Madness is better early is because all the upsets early are good, but then actually by the end, you kind of want blue bloods in the final four. And this last final four, when it was like Miami and San Diego state, and it's like, I guess it's cool, but also Duke and Kansas are cool. What happened? I do think that's real too. So I do think there's a chance for college football to hit the right spot where there is a chance for upsets early, but probably by the time you get to the final four, there's going to be a whole lot of Alabama and Georgia and Oklahoma and USC and Ohio state and Michigan. And that's going to be good for the sport too. Here's two things I would do branding. And then we'll talk about dates. One is I would hammer home. I would show Boise state highlights from the statue of Liberty and the Fiesta bowl and all the stuff, right? I would show Tulane beating USC last year highlights. I would show every opportunity that we have in the past where we can point to a bowl game where there was an upset and say, it's happened before. If you don't think it's going to happen again, watch out. Winter football wonderland where anything can happen. The best teams, the biggest stage, and the upset that you know is coming. Like I would beat into the heads of people who don't believe it that an upset is possible. And then eventually it'll come. But you'll be waiting. Make them wait for it. Make them believe it ahead of time. Play our podcast. We laid out the case, I think, very in a very compelling way. So make the upset possible. Buy Cinderella a dress. Okay? Then wait, and then she's got to get to the ball. But even if you end up standing there at the ball holding the dress for like three years, you're still there's some anticipation. And then I would bang the regionalism. And I don't know if that's the same thing as conference affiliation. But you've got to create conflict and you've got to you've got to say that something beyond an individual team winning is on the line. Geographic superiority, conference superiority, North versus South, Pac-12 versus SEC, right? You should have graphics that say four SEC teams made it, three Big Ten teams made it, two Pac-12 teams made it. What are the things? Here's the history of how many teams from each conference have won a thing from each state, from each region, however you do it. You have to create conflict. And I would encourage people to start drawing lines here where even if your team's not in, you got to get on board with somebody. And I think college football can do that better than college basketball. And I think you can do that in a way with college football that you don't try to do in the NBA or in the NFL, where if if you're a Browns fan, and the Browns don't make the NFL playoffs, you're not trying to get Browns fans to root for the Bengals. They're from the same state. Like, you wouldn't do that. (laughs) But I think there's a way you can try. I would try if I were WFW or HFT, whatever I am, because I'm not the college football playoff. Happy football time. The Midwest. You know, they dig stuff out of the ground. The South. They have sunshine. Who will... Come on, don't know. Make <laughs> make conflict. Make people choose sides. Make people have rooting interests beyond, oh, I sure hope there's an upset sometime in the first five years. Or I sure am intrigued to see if Georgia can win four straight. I think they can do that. I think they can lean on the great regionalism of the sport and then emphasize the collisions that are happening at the national level. No, and, and I think that that's, very real and i think that that's one of the great things about the the structure of this playoff is that we are guaranteeing six conferences will get uh somebody into the game so we are guaranteeing ourselves for example a west coast team is going to be in the college football playoff no matter what 
it might be from the Mountain West some years and not the Pac-12, but they're going to be there. And, uh, you know, certainly I think it's a complication now that the two LA schools are not going to be sort of representatives of the West. I don't think that that people are going to rally around them maybe the same way as if they had been members of the Pac-12, but I do think that that's real. And, you know, I, I say a lot. I think that this sport is a national sport that is regional and people in the West Coast historically have pride and people on the Atlantic coast have pride and people in the Midwest, of course, have lots of pride and, you know, Texas and the, the deep South, this matters. I, I think this is real. So I, I agree. I think that, uh, that you need to find a way to try and maximize some of this stuff because I think that, you know, look, we, we've obviously as a sport moved so Southeastern, so, so, so Southeastern. I mean, what is it? 13 of the last 17 champions, I believe it is, are from the SEC. And then Clemson is two of them and Texas is another, right? Like that's, that is an existential issue for the structure of this sport. So I do think that, you know, potentially coming out and, and saying, Hey, Bryce Young, don't you want to be a champion of the West and you can make your way to the playoff if you're at USC? You know, I, I do think that maybe that is a way to market it. And I hope that is something that also does change the underlying sort of premise of the sport too. So let me ask this. We have great ideas and we're there, there for free. Take them, take them. Do you think they'll do it? Do you think the college football playoff organization and or ESPN, and sometimes it's the same thing, frankly, do you think they will proactively do something? Will they find a way to promote this? Will they attempt to name it? Some of the things you think that we're saying, do you think they'll actually happen? Or do you think in 2024, this will be closer to it's the college football playoff. It's just 12 teams instead of four. It's just a couple extra weekends of games. So probably my greatest fear about the marketing of the playoff is the idea that it gives ESPN et al. an opportunity to essentially triple down on Blue Bloods and nothing else. Right. To be like, oh, well, you know, Texas is eight and four, but could they get in, you know, like to basically try and be like, oh, let's let's bash you over the head even more with the teams that we feel like you already know, because I think the greatest part about this 12 team playoff is going to be the conversation about the race to get in, too, because with 12 spots, with six guaranteed conference champions, which, by the way, I think is awesome. I think it's great that we're valuing conference championships. There's going to be like 30 teams in contention heading into November. That That's a lot of teams and they're not all going to be at the power five level too, which I think is really cool. So I really hope that they don't just sort of be like, well, you know, uh, Penn State started, you know, four and three, but can they get back in because you like Penn State, I assume, you know, I hope that they don't do it like that. I hope that they do view it as an opportunity to be like, oh, TCU, they started seven and oh, what's going on here? You know, oh, Oregon State. Wow. They're maybe a 10 win team this upcoming year. What's happening there? I, because I, the biggest existential threat to college football, in my opinion, is making the sport smaller, right? Like, is, is is taking what is a giant sport with national breadth, with people who have all these ties to 133 FBS programs, not to mention all everything below it, and saying, what if we can just get them to care about these 12? 
like these 12 uh, teams, not, not the 12 teams of the playoff. Like, I think that that is the biggest way to kill the sport is to essentially try and, and limit it to these little things. And I think that that, when you look at the past nine years of the college football playoff with four teams, I think that's why we are seeing in some ways a contraction of the sport. The West Coast does not engage with college football anymore. That is That should send alarm bells off in everybody's head that we are losing a region of the country from caring about college football. I don't think that's a good thing. I don't think it's a good thing whenever, uh, you know, and I'm from, you know, the South. I mean, I'm not going to get into the conversation of whether Texas is South, obviously, but, but, you know, it's, we, I think have become so specific in the way that we talk about this sport at times. I, I really hope that ESPN, who's going to run the playoff for the next two years and is going to be key in branding the 12 team playoff uh, really from the start to the end, even if they don't own the whole playoff heading forward. I really hope that they understand that this is an opportunity to engage with the West, to engage with the Midwest, even though you won't have rights for it, to engage with the Atlantic Coast. And that when this is a national sport, it is a stronger sport that has more mass appeal. I do think the worst version of this is a year-long conversation that focuses only on the 12-team playoff. And then once you get to the 12-team playoff, you just talk about it like it's the 12-team playoff and, hey, there's some games and, hey, what do we think is going to happen? I do think that the best version of it is there are still regional things and rivalries and things like that that matter, even if you're not in the top 25, even if you're not in the playoff race. And you can talk about all those during the season. But then once you get to the 12, once the 12 are locked in, let's go. Let's be smart and focused and branded and encourage people to think about it in a certain way beyond, hey, it's 11 games, because it's not. March Madness is not, oh, cool, there's 67 games. That's not what it is. It's it's a thing that it, that takes over sports fans for a month, and, and there's an opportunity for this to happen. So let me ask this, because this is a direct thing, and Ross Dellinger at SI.com and other people have done reporting on this. We're going to get into the specifics of what the exact ideal schedule would be, but there is a consideration about the NFL at this time of the year and college football. As it stands now, again, they set the dates for 24 and 25. You would be looking at semifinals in 2024 on Thursday, January 9th, and Friday, January 10th. And then the NFL wild card weekend, the first weekend of the NFL playoffs, is that Saturday and Sunday. So they're going like Thursday, Friday to avoid that first weekend of the NFL playoffs. And then the, na- the national title game for college football is the next Monday, the 20th, after you have so another round of NFL playoff games on that Saturday and Sunday. Moving up, like gets if you move the schedule up, you would avoid the NFL even more. The NFL plays its last weekend of the regular season as it stands right now, sort of around that like January 1st-ish kind of time. That's the last week of the regular season, which can be super exciting. Like this year, they just said a week 17 game is going to be Kansas City, Cincinnati. That's great. Unless like Kansas City and Cincinnati are both locked in the playoff spots and it doesn't matter. And then no, neither Patrick Mahomes, no Jerbo, Joe Burrow is going to even play that game. How much should college football be worried about trying to avoid the NFL in some of these situations? And part of the discussion is that late in the year as it stands now, and also this feels like something that you can work out and change, the NFL plays some Saturday games in mid-December which they started doing basically because, well, there was there was no more college football. 
it, that mattered so you could fill that Saturday hole. Well, now there is going to be college football that matters. How much should college football think about the NFL and try to avoid them from a TV standpoint? Or do you do what you do? For instance, right? The NFL draft was a couple Thursdays ago. The NFL is a monster. There weren't as many NBA playoff games that night, but I think there was still one. Most of those nights, there were two or three NBA playoff games. So they lessened it, but they didn't. the NBA didn't say we're wiping out the schedule. No Thursday games because everyone's going to be watching the NFL draft. That to me is a compromise. What's the right thing for college football to do? No, I mean, I, I think you have to make that compromise uh, because the reality is, you know, we talk about college football as a big thing and it is a big thing, but it is such a small thing <laughs> relative to the NFL, like such a such a small thing relative to the NFL. So I think you want to make sure that you're not competing with marquee products. For example, you don't want to put the national championship game anywhere close to a playoff game in the NFL because you're going to lose. You're going to lose big. You have to hit in that game. You know, I, I do think that college football does have a relative advantage that, like you said, people expect college football on New Year's Day. People expect the Rose Bowl. People expect uh, the Sugar Bowl. Like that that's part of, I think, their watching calendar. And uh, and the fact that that's floating, I don't think it's a big deal. right? I, I don't think it's a huge deal to play weekday games with these playoff games because it is the holiday season. I don't think that this is playing a weekday game in, you know, on October 6th. I, I think that that's a different situation than doing it during holiday week when people are kind of expecting to be relaxed. So I do think that you have to make some concessions to avoid the NFL. Now, like you said, with the, with the NBA, like you can't, you can't just wipe your schedule from the planet. You, you can't make bad decisions for your product out of fear, um, especially with some of these early games, you know, it, it's um, like, I, I remember, you know, there are some, uh, there are some college games that go up against late playoff baseball, for example, or go up against the world series, for example. And like, that's going to affect your viewership. You don't want to put a marquee marquee game against the world series because it's not really good for anybody. And I think that's the way that you should think about it, right? Like if if I don't think that you want to put the biggest games on your calendar against the NFL, but uh you know, for example, like they're going to be a couple of uh of round 1 games that are going to take place on a Saturday. Uh you know, December 20th, 2025, for example. You I I think you want to be careful not to put your best game up against the NFL, but you know, you also just kind of have to do what's best for your sport at the same time, too. And and the reality is, too, you know, I, I run into this issue, especially when I was covering multiple levels of the sport. There's a lot of people who are like, well, FCS football, why don't we just put it in the spring so I might pay attention to it? I mean, you also have to cater to the people who actually like your sport. You know, you also can't be so obsessed with getting the casuals that you hurt the people who actually like your sport. You know, because the reality is, yeah, maybe you get more casual viewers of FCS football if they play in the spring. But you ruin all the people who actually like FCS football. You can't make that compromise either. So you have to land somewhere in the middle. I, I think that I generally like where they ended up with the the two years that they released. I, I think that building it around New Year's Day makes a lot of sense. I like the 10 days in between games. I like the fact that you still clear uh, the week of, uh, you know, the 13th-ish for Army-Navy and and have a week off. I think that's all good. 
So I, I think they arrived at the right answer, but it is going to be complicated, especially heading forward. What if they did like hard knock style reality shows the minute that the brackets are announced for those 12 teams and you follow those 12 teams during their prep and in the gaps between games, you release like the inside lives of like how these teams are preparing and what these young guys are going through to get ready for that. I'm trying, I want to build this and winter football wonderland. I don't think is it. Is Kirby smart going to have like been thrown in the, you know, thrown off the planet or something because there ain't no way that he's letting you film anything in his locker room. but listen it's one of those things they make they make nba coaches in playoff games talk to sideline reporters during games they make them do it i don't know they don't want to do it but they make them do it so you can make people here's a secret to life young man you can make people do stuff for money so it's it's not <laughs> hey kirby may we film your team it's hey kirby College football is getting a boatload of money. We are filming your team. There's a way to do that. But basketball cares about having a good media product. And college football has a long and storied history of saying, we're going to be as secretive as possible for the dumbest reasons possible. Like it is part of the culture that Kirby Smart got the state of Georgia to change their laws so he could be less transparent. So, I mean, yeah, but like, no, I, I just now and, and I will say th- there is context for this, because obviously we've seen this with the spring leagues, with the XFL and the USFL. They've done a really cool job of letting people in the game. Um, and apparently the Big 12 is considering doing some of that stuff as well. Uh, Brett Yormark kind of released some statements saying we're going to have some behind the scenes type stuff. We're going to have some game day type stuff. So, like, I think that there will be teams that view it as an opportunity to increase their branding that way. I don't think that Nick Saban or Kirby Smart can be told to do anything, though, at the same time. So I do think that maybe we get a little bit of this. I don't think we get it sort of widespread. Okay. Last break. When we come back, the ideal schedule for this, because it affects the regular season as well. Next on the College Football Survivor Show. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. All right, so in 24 and 25, the way it's set, the dates they announced, the last weekend of the regular season remains the last weekend in November. Then conference championship games are on the first weekend in December. Then there's a week off, which is Army-Navy Heisman ceremony, right? That kind of stuff. Then the next weekend is the first round games. It's four games, five versus 12, six versus 11, et cetera. So for 2024, that would be conference championship weekend is December 6th, 7th. The first round of playoffs games are December 20 and 21. One on Friday the 20th, three on December 21st on a Saturday. Then it does work out well. Then you're hitting those quarterfinals on New Year's Day. One on New Year's Eve, three on New Year's Day. And they are midweek, but it's a holiday. It's the new year. It's New Year's Day, which is a college football thing. Then the semifinals are on a Thursday, Friday on the 9th and 10th. And then, so kind of like a weekend a little bit. And then the next weekend, that Monday is kind of like a weekend. The 20th is a championship game. It is a pretty good schedule. Now, 
What they probably are going to get to, and that's set for 24 and 25. Currently, the year is 2023. We still have a four-team playoff for this year. Sometimes when we talk about this stuff, I get like, oh, I can't wait for it. Oh, (laughs) next year. I guess we're going to have to wait for it. (laughs) It's going to be a great four-team playoff this year, but this is why I'm getting excited for the 12-team playoff. What it feels like they're going to get to, Shahan, is this. They're going to start the season a week earlier. They currently call the first week, which is like the last weekend, usually in August. They call that week zero, and they play weird games then. I don't even know what you have to do to get into week zero. Play in Europe. I don't know what else the week. Play how Hawaii. else do you get in week zero? Play Hawaii. So it'd be not on the, in the. If you're not in the continental U.S., you're week zero. Otherwise, you can't. Is that the rule? I, that's primarily the rule. There must be some exceptions because there are games that are played that aren't that. But those are the main two things. If you play abroad or if you play Hawaii, then you're allowed to to schedule a week zero game. Okay, so then week one, the normal start of college football is usually Labor Day weekend. Okay which then has you end the last weekend in November and conference championship weekend is the first weekend of December. If they move everything up, which is feels like they're they're definitely talking about, and I think they're going to do, that would mean for 2026, let's say, the season starts the last weekend in August. Week zero becomes week one. And then no more week zero. You can play on the moon and you don't get to start early. Okay, we're not having games on August 15th. I actually think playing on the moon would be cool. I take that back. If you leave, but you don't just have to leave the continental United States. You have to leave the planet. Then you end the regular season. The second to last weekend in November, you play the conference championship games the last weekend in November. And now you're in a world where the first round of playoff games, and I have the schedule for 2026, you could play the conference championship games on Friday, November 27th and Saturday, November 28th. You then play the first round of the playoff, those four games, on Friday, December 11th and Saturday, December 12th. Now you're looking midweek that is not tied to New Year's Day, which I think is where – because I think this 10-day gap, what you're talking about, is good, which is maybe the clunkiest part of this. But if you stayed with this, you'd play those quarterfinal games like Wednesday, like the 22nd, 23rd, I think it is. So like right before Christmas – then you get the semifinals. So the main thing is New Year's Day, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day become this become two semifinal games instead of four quarterfinal games, which then means your national championship game is more like January 11th instead of January 20th. So you wind up moving. You start a week early. You basically move everything up a week, but you hit that magical college football day. New Year's Day is now semis instead of quarters and you finish a week early you get out of the way of the nfl a week earlier and there's some of it that doesn't work as well because of the holidays because of new year's day because the way of things are are tied together traditionally there are definitely parts of it that work better it gets more decembery regular season ends in november Three of the four weekends are in December, and then you have the, t- the championship game in January, which is which opens back up the December branding. Do you think the whole schedule should move a week forward to move the playoff a week forward? Does that make sense mostly to avoid the NFL, but then also maybe claim a spot on the calendar a little more vociferously? I, I don't know how I feel about that. So, so a couple of things. One – you know, I really think of the there. There are a couple benchmarks in college football. I'd say, right? Uh, Labor Day weekend 
you get games Thursday through Monday. I think that that stuff's great. I love that stuff. Um, and that's really a kickoff to the season. And now, if you if you moved it a week earlier, we could kind of do some of the whatever games week one, right? The the FCSs, all that sort of stuff, and then actually kind of have like a college football kickoff. That's more that's technically week two, so we could still do that. But I view Labor Day as the true start to the season. Uh, you know, when I think of the schedule, I, I think that rivalry Black Friday games are such a big part of college football. You know that, and obviously the NFL is encroaching on that too, and you just have to live with that, unfortunately. But like, that is such a thing, you know, to watch the Egg Bowl. I'm really excited in the state of Texas. I'm hoping they bring back Texas versus Texas A&M on Thanksgiving or Black Friday. But like, that is like a thing that you are at home with your family for Thanksgiving and you watch all the rivalry games. And I get it. Like, it would be conference championships. Certainly, from my perspective, I'd have to cover them. I, I would rather you know not do that thanksgiving weekend but you know that's that's another conversation but i do think that the the rivalry games are a big deal and i almost feel like it makes more sense to put more games on new year's eve and new year's day than less like i I get it you want to have that two game platform like we've had with the the actual college football playoff but i almost think that you're better off putting your heavy schedule on new year's day when people are if they're not at home, they're at least still waiting to watch college football because it's a holiday. Then to say, well, we're going to just put two games on that day and then try to hurry up and get there. I, I think I like the schedule that they released for uh, for 24 and 25, uh, where it is the traditional schedule where the, the games still are on uh, where they do start on that December 20th type area. And I know that you're making the concession of going up a little bit more against the NFL, but I think it also lets you dodge a little more of the NFL with the connection to New Year's Day, with the connection to potentially Martin Luther King Day a lot of years. I don't know. I I kind of prefer it in its current format, but I I, I don't know. What are your thoughts? So traditions do change. So for instance, in the Big Ten, you know, all, the, the regular season for everybody now ends on Thanksgiving weekend. But for a long time, the Big Ten was ending early. And like like the Ohio State-Michigan game, for instance, has only been a Thanksgiving tradition since two, since 2010. So that is changeable. It's not like it's always been that way. You look at the Egg Bowl history, that's much more of a Black Friday, Thanksgiving. It's been on Thanksgiving a bunch of times, too. Like that's that's more of that tradition, right? So I understand that. I think you can get people to adjust and there still would be college football. Thanksgiving weekend would become conference championship. So maybe you could play a conference championship game on that Thursday, one on Thursday night on Thanksgiving, one on Friday, one on Saturday. You could still find some traditions there. The main thing is like moving the whole schedule up a week. So you're starting a week early to get the the playoff done a week early. And now one of the things, there's no reason to talk about things that aren't going to happen. You could just whack the conference championship games. And that would you, that would allow you to keep the regular season where it is and start the playoff a week early because what do we need conference championship games for? Because you've had 12 weeks to make your case for the playoff and you can just – the team with the best record in your conference is the conference champ. We don't, we don't need those. But they make money. So that's probably not going to happen. But there are other ways to do it. It's, it feels like from the discussion that they, they're going to want – that they want to do it. I, I I do think getting done a little bit earlier 
is not a bad idea. I think the point about would you rather have four, four games around New Year's Day or two, I actually do think four might work better. But also the thing we're talking about is four college football games in a weekend, four playoff games. That's what we said. That's the best part of the NCAA tournament. So you could go from a four-game weekend, awesome. A four-game weekend, awesome. Two games, it's the final four on New Year's Day. Holy moly. It's like it's the final four on New Year's Day. So that builds itself up. So it's like awesome with four, awesome with four, awesome with tradition and importance and final fourness with two, and then a title game. There's a lot of that, though, that's attractive to me, too. So do you feel like it's imperative for it to be one or the other, that it absolutely must stay where it is? or it absolutely must move a week early, or whatever they figure out, it'll kind of be fine either way. And in the end, it's not that big of a deal. So, I mean, I, I don't think it's the hugest deal. The The question that I have about all of this, though, is, you know, like you said, it's not difficult to make new traditions. It, it wasn't, there weren't playoff games around New Year's until New Year's, obviously, until the playoff came about. So you can change traditions. My question is is less, can you get viewers to want to do something? And it's more, can you catch viewers when they're not at work? You know, because that part's not going to change. You know, it's not going to be that all of a sudden uh, people are going to take off of work on Friday, December 10th, so that they can watch this game. Uh, obviously, we do have the example of college basketball where it's like an unofficial lost productivity weekend. That is something that feels like a lot to ask personally uh, for, for basically for it to become that, especially when, you know, it, it is a big weekend, but it's also four games. You know, I don't necessarily think that you're going to change the American work calendar because you have a couple of college football games on a day. So that's more my thought is that you, yes, you can change people's traditions and expectations, but you also need to adjust to the calendar that exists for people's work and for their time off. And for example, I mean, yes, you'll have 10 conference championship games on that Thanksgiving Black Friday weekend, but that seems worse than there being 25, 30 awesome rivalry games on that weekend at a time period when people are off from work on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And so, yes, you can get people to change their traditions, but I do think that you also need to be reactive to when people will have time to watch your games as well. And and that's also why I think that the New Year's uh, type of situation too, it's kind of a nice one because you do uh, get them at a time when they are generally going to be off of work. And then they just have to make time for two games on uh, whatever January 9th and 10th. And then they just have to make time for the national title game later. I, I don't think that adjusting to three total games across 11 days is as difficult to adjust to as well. We're having four games on a Wednesday when you work. I do think, and we have seen it, that the ratings for the college football playoff have been worse when they've played on New Year's Eve and that they've botched that. Like, this is part of it what makes me a little nervous, that they have not handled this perfectly so far, just with the logistics of how they should do some of this stuff. And so you do have to hit people when they're ready because sometimes they love something, but if they're going to their friend's house for New Year's Eve, like, that's going to come first. So I do think they have to be open-minded about it. But I also think they want to brand themselves and create things 
where college football now owns a time. And so New Year's Day already exists that way. Maximize that. But it can't just be, you know, it drives me crazy. Some It's like, hey, what's happening to the college football playoff? What's up? It's like, we're going to have a Luke Combs concert before the game. <laughs> like, that's fine. But, like, that's not branding. Like, right, that's right. not like, oh, what's happening? Well, it's the same thing it always is. And there's 45 minutes of music before it. Like, that's not that's not right. Because the way they do it, they haven't ever done it. They haven't been able to make something like feel like the Super Bowl halftime show. That that's an event. The NFL is great at eventizing. They have to eventize this. And maybe there's some stuff to lean back into some traditions here. Maybe the Rose Bowl parade becomes bigger than ever because you lean back into this. Because listen, people watch parades on Thanksgiving. People watch parades on Christmas or whatever. There's things that people you can create new things for people to do. But it can't be haphazard. It can't be slapped on. It's got to be primary, and they've got to do this. I don't have necessarily have faith in it. I think the football is going to be good, but it can't just be the football because March Madness is not just the basketball, right? So you have to you have to tell people what to expect, and that it is going to be delivered. But you have to tell them why they care, and you have to give them opportunities to express how they care, like in a bracket. Man, they yeah. better bracket the heck out of this. They have to think about it. They have to think about it, Shahan. It is a new era because there are enough people who understandably are going to be holding on to the past and are going to be longing for the days of yore that you have to make them excited that this is new and different. And I'm worried that the news coming, but I'm, I'm worried they're not going to make it different enough to get people fired up. So if they don't, we will. If they don't, we will. It's an opportunity for us. If they don't, we will. But they yeah. should. Yeah. So one other thing to think about in the context of this is, per se, what are going to be the best games? What are going to be the worst games? I think the worst games are probably going to be the quarterfinals because you're going to have maybe a first weekend of upsets. And then maybe there's a chance that some of these teams are just fed to a monster who's the one or two seed, right? Like, I think that's going to happen some years. I, I don't know that I agree with that because we know, for instance, since the top four seeds have to be conference champs, true, we true. know as it stands now, the five seed and the six seed are going to be the worst team of Alabama, Georgia, right. and the worst team of Ohio State, Michigan, and potentially like the worst team of USC, Oregon. Like, I think we might have very strong uh, five, you mean six, USC, and uh, USC, Michigan. Uh, this is a Big Ten matchup. Oh, that no, that's right. I forgot about <laughs> USC. Man, I wish USC was standing in the Pac-12. Oh, it sucks. It sucks. <laughs> so so I, I, do th- I do think we will have strong – but then listen, right? That third – you know, think about how good the third team in the Big Ten might be. How good the third team in the SEC might be. I actually was going to say I think the quarterfinals might be the best weekend because I think those like that two seven could be a humdinger. So I think uh, we'll see. I think that maybe you have some of the opposite, right? Where it's like the four seed is Cincinnati and the five seed is Georgia, right? Like where they're, which actually, actually, by the way, I mean, Cincinnati held their own against Georgia. Let's let's just make that comment. But uh, it's a few more passes. I know. Yeah. But, you know, they're they're going to be, I think, more clunker matchups in that week of games and 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 I, i'm building to something here 
And so I think that that is the weekend that you can most eventize around New Year's, where you can say, you're at home anyway. What's the big deal? Let's go watch some football. Whereas I think the football will more be able to carry the event the first week when you'll have upsets and brackets. And then I think that actually, because right now, people also, you know, one of the reasons that the, the ratings aren't very good on New Year's Eve is because people don't think that the semifinals will be any good. They were this past year, right? This past year was an incredible group of semifinals, but we've had such bad semifinal games historically uh, in the college football playoff. I think that that part absolutely changes when you have to play your way into the semifinal because we won't have, you know, uh, we won't have a team who can't hang like Washington or Michigan State playing against the one seed in a semifinal because they would have already had to have beaten multiple teams just to get to that point. I think that the final four is going to be more of a true final four because it'll be open to everybody. So I I think that the semifinals are going to be much better than they've been in this four team system. And then you're at the national championship game and people will have watched the pathway enough. And so I, I think that the semifinal and title game, can be built a little bit more off of the actual football. The quarterfinal, then you make an event and you put it on New Year's, and that's just a game and a day that everybody watches. So I think that I think that the way that we have it set up right now actually puts it in a really good position where you know you have these weeks and you have some of these weekday games that are going to need to be carried more by the quality of the game and the way that you're able to market it. And January 1st will be more of a event to watch football because you're already at home and so if some of those games are clunkers i think that hurts you less cincinnati held its own against alabama by the way Michigan no no no. the year before the year before the year before oh the year before oh oh yes. in that bowl game sorry yes they did hold their own in that one too okay but they also held their own against alabama when desmond render should have been passed put, put, put some respect on cincinnati's name <laughs> all right what about this okay so you get you get Groups of fans, maybe four fans from each team that might make the college football playoff. And once the 12 teams are announced, you have those four fans for each team. They've agreed to it. And you put those 48 people in a house immediately. And you do Big big Brother (laughs) with those 48 people. And you just do Big Brother. Then once you get to the eight, you have couples who are fans of those eight teams. And then you do like the family swap, right? That show. (laughs) Where it's like, so you're you're emphasizing the regionalism. You're emphasizing the differences in people, and then you're smashing them together and seeing what happens, which is what you're doing with the football teams. And then it's like, oh, what are you, what are we doing to build up? It's like, let's go to the big. It could be the highest the Heisman fan house, and they could live in the Heisman house, and then you could sprinkle. Heisman winners could come through and like lead the challenges. We're all used to make it a month of reality television around college football fans because college football fans are a passionate, b interesting, and c nuts in the best possible way. So let's do this. We're emphasizing. Oh, you think it's interesting, and then they watch the games together. What happens? And then right? Come on, come on. Do you know anybody at ESPN? Does CBS want to do this? Call Tony Robo. Tony Robo could be on it. Um, 
Okay, but but we actually need to do this for the women's basketball tournament because I need to see Big Brother with LSU fans and Iowa fans living in the same house. What on earth would they talk about? Could they even communicate with each other? But see, but here's the thing. I hate reality shows. I hate reality shows because I hate that our culture has evolved into people are on TV not because they're talented or skilled or accomplished, but just because like they're weird. And then let's watch dumb people do weird stuff, which is like 75% well, of programming. Well, I hate let's, all of Let's it. not uh, – spe- I mean, what is this podcast if not that? And why, now, why would you <laughs> – don't, don't give away the secrets. First of all, that hurt my feelings. Second of all, don't give away the secrets. And I know that you tried to watch the Netflix thing live. What was it? Love is Blind and the Netflix thing didn't work and you were going bananas and everybody else was going crazy. And I was like, okay, I've got a little window into Shahan here. The issue with it is that it it is something that if you can't watch it live, it's not worth watching at all. (laughs) Yeah. So, and I know nothing about it, which makes me happy that I know nothing about it. But the idea is that I don't care about people generally, but college football fandom or college sports fandom, you're starting from a place that is already of interest in a very specific way. And you know, people have a shared interest, sport, and then a conflict. They like different teams. Let's go. I think there's opportunity here. And I would like, oh, what what would LSU and Iowa basketball fans talk about? I don't know that they both love women's college basketball. And then they can have conflict beyond that. But there's a starting point. So let's lean into college sports reality television. Let's lean into – let's have everything. Let's have quiz bowl competitions between people's, people from the schools that are part of it. Once your team's in, it opens up this window to students at the school – to fans of the school, we're going to take the cameras into the prep and we're going to make, we're going to make, we're going to understand things culturally, geographically, conference wise, all those things. But what unites it, what unites it is college football. And we're going to show you how all the different ways in this great country, you do it a little bit differently. The way you do it in Tuscaloosa is not the same way that you do it in Eugene, Oregon. But what's the common bond? There's a strong common bond. Let's do this. We're available for consultation. Doug and Shahan's consulting services for college sports reality television. Because if you just make it 11 games, you have a chance to be disappointed. I'm, I don't think we're going to be disappointed in the football for the three and a half hours. But we might be disappointed in the cultural impact, in the sports impact, in the way people pay attention or don't. Oh, that game sucks. Because we've had too much of that with semifinals that weren't that good. I do think the football is going to be good. I think of the 11 games, I think seven or eight of the 11 have a chance to be like, that's a great game. It's a great place to start, but that's not what March Madness is. And you need this to be more March Madness and less NBA finals, because no matter how good the players are, they're not D-Book, they're not LeBron James, they're not Jokic, they're not Jason Tatum. It's just not that. And you're not going to be able to grasp onto them for an extended period of time. It's really not about the players. It's about... The programs, it's about the fans, and it's about the event. So figure it out, college football playoff committee. And we're starting there. Get a better name. (laughs) The Happy Fun Football Group. The Happy Fun Football Group will figure out Happy Fun Football time. Great. I'm there. No, and and I think one thing, too, is, you know, I think it really, in March Madness, for example – you see a lot of engagement with uh, with the March Madness teams and like pro players who went to those schools. Like the Duke guys all show out for Duke whenever they're really good. Uh, 
And and I think that there's a pathway to that in the NFL too. I think that you need to get the players more engaged to, who have gone on to the next level, our former greats, all that sort of stuff. I, I think that there's a way to get them more engaged with what's going on uh, at this level. For example, you know, I, I remember at the Big 12 title game, I, I thought they did a great job of making it an event at the Big 12 title game. Obviously, it's a little bit more niche. But one thing that they did was during the broadcast, they had LaDainian Tomlinson and Darren Sproles on the sideline for a lot of it, right? And like, that's really cool. That got people engaged. These are like two all-time greats with these programs. And uh, and people might have tuned into the game and said, TCU, Kansas State, these are not programs that I care about. But they did such a good job of playing them up and of explaining the, you know, the culture and the storylines that I've, I've it ended up being one of the higher rated bowl games. I'm sorry, conference championship games. And I think that a lot of that had to do with the way that they presented it. So I agree. There's a lot that you can do there. I think there's a lot of ways that you can connect it to other things that people care about. Uh, I mean, I, I don't even remember what uh, network broadcast Jeopardy, but they have that college Jeopardy, for example, have, yeah. have college Jeopardy involving uh, people from these schools. I agree. There's a lot of ways to to integrate it into common culture. And I think that uh, that if college football can do that, especially, by the way, with the teams who are not usually there, I think that's a huge part of this. I think that that's how you create a strong, robust sport. And if, if you know, Burke Magnus over at ESPN is listening to this for some reason, listen to me. The people who love Alabama and Georgia already know that they're supposed to watch this event. The way that you grow this is by engaging the people who are fans of these other teams who are going to have an opportunity to be there and engaging fans of the sport uh, and, and the culture as a whole to show that college football isn't just Alabama sitting on people. There's actually a lot more to it than that. Listen, Dr. Pepper does those Dr. Pepper Town commercials, whatever it is, yeah. that they people live in the college football village and all they drink right. is Dr. Pepper. But then when Dr. Pepper does stuff with games, it's throw a football through an inflatable Dr. Pepper can. With the chest and it's pass. the worst thing you've ever watched. <laughs> I hate it. It's the worst thing you've ever watched. They have it in the commercials. They understand fandom and passion and connection and community, but they don't translate it to anything. It's just a, you need to take the energy of those commercials and bring it to the games and the presentation of the games. Because it's not a Luke Combs concert and it's not throw a chest pass through a blown up bottle of soda. But for real, can you create in a real way, not in a fake commercial, can you create in a real way that passion and attach it to these 11 games? Do that and you've got something. We're here to help. We're here to promote college football. We want this to be great because you are giving something up. And that's how life works. And if you just give things up and you never work hard for what should be better, you wind up worse. You wind up longing for, oh, I, I wish Nebraska and Oklahoma were in the same conference still. Oh, I wish Oklahoma and Oklahoma State were still playing each other. Those are gone. But what's, what else can be good? Figure it out, people. Figure it out for the good of the sport. Okay. Logistics. Ugh. I mean, we could get on here and talk about football, but man, we just did 65 minutes of pure logistics. <laughs> Loved it every second. My friend in college was a was a business logistics major, and it was just like <laughs> how to get stuff from point A to point B. And I was like, I was super interested in it, but I don't know if it's good podcasting. Yeah, yeah. I have a friend who was a supply chain engineering major, so I think yeah. that that's sort of a similar deal. 
No, so so one thing that I'll say, right, is is you mentioned it a lot. You have the, you know, Dr. Pepper understands his culture when they make these commercials and then they show up at the games and it's all like sanitized. Again, college football. Don't try to be the mini NFL. They're trying so hard to be the NFL because they're like, well, the NFL is the biggest thing of all time. But the only thing that you're doing by doing that is saying, what if we were the NFL, but all the players were much worse? That That's essentially what they're doing, right? Like, that's what they're doing. Yeah. The thing that people like about college football isn't, wow, it's almost like the NFL. It's that it's different than the NFL. It's that it's fun and quirky and regional. So, so don't try to, you know, don't, don't sanitize this product. It's not that serious. At the end of the day, we're watching 19 year olds try to throw up an oblong ball to other dudes. Like it's not that serious. And, and I think that college football would do well to remind itself that it, we're not handling the nuclear codes here, guys. Like it's not that serious. It's supposed to be fun. And, and I hope that some of that atmosphere returns. And, and I will say, I think that bringing in teams who aren't usually part of this is going to make this a lot of fun. Because imagine, imagine in 2020, I think, uh, I think they would have made it. Imagine Coastal Carolina fans as part of the college football playoff. That would have been electric it, because all these teams at the top, they've taken themselves so seriously for so long. Imagine just throwing a wild card in there, right? Imagine throwing some insane people in there. And, uh, I hope that, uh, that the sport embraces it. My favorite thing that I remember uh, ESPN doing on a broadcast. Do you remember the Coastal Carolina versus BYU game back in 2020? The one that was slapped together, right? You yes. remember that game? Yes. They had Ryan McGee, I think it was, just like in the crowd, on the sidelines, just doing stuff. Just like, hey, that's cool. Let me go and walk over and put it on television. Like, that was so cool. That was like the coolest thing that I remember any broadcast doing. And then after the pandemic, we're just like, all right, well, anyway, we're going to broadcast from our studios back from home. And like, come on, man, like it, it, it's the cool part of college football is the culture of it. And I think that if you don't leverage some of that, you are completely missing the boat on why people actually like this sports. Happy to fix it. Happy to help. It's what Shahan and I are here to do. So if anybody at ESPN or the college football playoff uh, wants to continue this conversation, uh, call Shahan. What's your phone number, Shahan? Your personal cell? Uh, yeah, it your is, uh, yeah, it, it is uh, 214. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> so get it. We're, we want this to be great, and it has a chance to be great, but it's not guaranteed. It is not guaranteed. It might just be a bunch of football games that people are kind of interested in if you do it wrong. We'll get back to talking about football, not just logistics. For now, we appreciate you guys making us part of your week. Make sure you are reading cbssports.com where you will find the writings of Shahan J. Haraja. For now, for Shahan, I'm Doug. And that was the College Football Survivor Show. The College Football Survivor Show where playoff survival is always on the line. 